Welcome, welcome everybody to Radical Church. How y'all feeling this morning? Goodness gracious. Well, I would say, uh, you know, I'm feeling amazing too, but to be honest, I am not. So that's why I came off the side real quick. I got a mask on today. Not feeling the greatest, but how many of you know uh, that when you come into the house of God, things change, right? So I decided, you know what, I'm going to come preach the word anyway, even though I ain't feeling it this morning. Sometimes you just got to do things that you don't feel like doing. Some of y'all don't feel like going to work, right? But you go anyway. And so today the Lord has me here to preach a word to you. So if my voice sounds a little funny, uh, it's because my nose feels a little funny. Amen. So just give me some grace today. Uh, but I'm going to preach this word today and I'm really excited to get into a brand new series. But before I do that, I just want to welcome all of our first time guests that are here. Man, I see a lot of new faces today. So would you put your hands together for everybody that's in the house that's new today? Thank you for coming. It really means a lot. Uh, you could have gone anywhere. You could have stayed at home. If you felt like me, you, you might be online right now. And I got to join in worship with our online community. I was out sitting in my car listening to worship, y'all. And it was amazing, all right? I had to come in halfway through because I was, I was like, I'll sit right there in the back and put my hand up and worship with my mask on. I don't even care because it was just so powerful. I had to be a part of what was happening here. But hey, we want to welcome everybody that's watching online too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, like I said, my name is Pastor Trevor. My wife, Lindsay, and I lead Radical Church. We started about a year and a half ago. Uh, man, we're coming up on two years as a church. And man, it is amazing to see all God has done in our church. See all y'all beautiful people out here. It's amazing to see what he's done. Uh, and, and we just got through a series called Deeper. How many of you were here for that series, Deeper? I mean, it challenged me, motivated me, and really honestly changed me in a lot of ways. And, and, and so I hope it did that for you as well. But we're going into a brand new series called In the Fire. It is called In the Fire. Somebody say, In the Fire. It is all about the book of Daniel, okay? And the book of Daniel is an incredible book in the Old Testament. Uh, the writer was the prophet Daniel, and it's written hundreds of years before Jesus comes on the scene. The location that it was written was in the, the nation of Babylon, and the audience that he's writing to are all of the Jews that were in captivity, because in this time period, Daniel was actually taken into captivity as probably a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid. And this book spans about the 70-year period that the Jews were in captivity, in exile in Babylon. It spans from the time that Nebuchadnezzar captures Jerusalem to the capture of Babylon itself by the Persian king Cyrus. And, and Daniel, like I said, was a teenager when this book began. He was a kid. And like many actually of the people in the Bible, we don't realize kind of what their ages are when the things are happening that they're happening. But I just think it's insane that, that Daniel was a teenager when a lot of the stuff, especially in the early parts of Daniel, happens. And then you might be surprised a little bit later on about how old Daniel was when some other things happen in this book. And uh, he's actually in his 80s when he receives the prophecies uh, in chapters 9 through 12. And so what I want you to do right now is if you have your phone, I want you to get your Bible app out. If you have your Bible with you today, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to be pretty much exclusively in Daniel chapter 1. I believe uh, most of what I'm reading today will be out of the NIV or the ESV, but I would, I would say I think this is NIV right here. So 
try that one, we probably will be together. And honestly, I'm not even going to put it on the screen today because I want you to get your own phone out. I want you to get your Bible app open. I want you to open, crack open those pages. You know what I'm talking about? You old school people out there that said, I'm not doing that technology stuff. Give me the paper. Give me the paperback. And so get your Bible out. We'll be in Daniel chapter 1 in just a little bit. But it's the most studied book of the Old Testament as far as the prophetic books go. And it's referred to as apocalyptic literature. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know the book of Revelations, right? So the book of Revelation is like the apocalypse of, of the New Testament. That's the apocalyptic literature of the New Testament. Well, for the Old Testament, they have one too. And it is the book of Daniel. And it refers to some things that are about to happen. The four, five different kingdoms that are going to come after the kingdom that is actually ruling right now when Daniel is writing this. So he has this gift of the prophetic and, and of interpreting dreams. And he has dreams and visions. It's amazing everything that you see in the book of Daniel, so much so that even Jesus himself quotes the prophet Daniel. And this whole series, if I had to sum it up about what it's about, in the fire and, and the book of Daniel itself is all about what it looks like to be faithful to God in a culture that is hostile toward God. Yeah. What it looks like to be faithful to God in a culture that is hostile toward God. Now, I know some of you in this place might be thinking the same thing that I'm thinking right now is like, we're kind of living in a culture, right, that is becoming increasingly more hostile toward God. But it didn't used to be like that, right? It wasn't always like that. Even some of you that have been in church for 30 or 40 years, you might have seen some of the changes in the church. You've seen some of the changes in our culture in America, and you would say, wow, it seems like that we're becoming more and more like Babylon, we used to be a Christian nation. Yeah, we had our problems. We had things, obviously, I think all of us would agree were not good and not very Christian-like in our nation's past, amen? But Christianity was widely accepted. We were known as a Christian nation. And, and nowadays, it is not only increasingly harder to find people that believe in God, but it's a lot harder to find people that actually practice their faith, right? That actually live out their faith day in and day out. A lot of people are Christian by name, but not Christian by practice. And, and Barna is a group that does a lot of statistics about church, a lot of statistics about Christians and Christianity in general in America. And, and from 2000 to 2020, they found that about half of the amount of Christians that were practicing Christians had fallen off in that 20-year period. About half of the people that they identified and qualified as practicing Christians had stopped becoming and stopped being a practicing Christian. And they actually moved into a different category, which is called a non-practicing Christian, which I find that's very interesting, a non-practicing Christian. For me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I know so many people that fall into that category. And I think some of you would, if you're honest with yourselves, you might be like, yo, that is me. I fall into that category. Or you know somebody that falls into that category. Maybe you're a CEO Christian, right? A Christmas Easter only Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Like you come a couple of times a year, uh, we're about to have a bunch of those in a couple of weeks, right? We're going to welcome them. We're going to love them. You know what I'm saying? But like, you're just those people that you come every once in a while. Maybe you don't read your Bible that much. Maybe you don't pray that much. But you say, hey, you know, I believe that there's a God for sure. Like, I, I definitely believe in this, but I don't practice it. Like, it's not a part of my everyday life. Uh, and so what's interesting is the, the numbers went down from practicing Christians to about half. And then a lot of those people moved into that category of non-practicing Christian. So now you have this large surge of people that call themselves Christians, 
but don't necessarily live it out day, day in and day out, right? And I think that's a very interesting statistic. And then in COVID-19, of those half that remained, right? The half that remained faithful. You were here in 2020 when we were wearing masks for eight months at the very beginning of this church. You were here through all of it, right? Okay, out of the half of those people, during COVID, another third of those people left church and another third of those people stopped believing in God or stopped practicing their faith or whatever it might be. And so now we're left with the remnant, right? We're left with the people that are still here. Maybe people are starting to come back to church. And I think that's amazing. It's a beautiful thing to see faces, right? Again, it's great. It's amazing to see people coming back into the house of God. And I would hope that that trend continues. But what we do see is our nation is known as post-Christian, right? You might've heard that term before. We are post-Christian as a nation now. And so what once was a land that honored God has now largely turned against him. And in Daniel, he lived in Jerusalem. This is a city and a nation that is supposed to honor God more than anyone else, right? These are God's chosen people. These are the people that he led out of Egypt through the Red Sea, you know, led him through the day, through the night, miracles, just amazing things. And these are the people that are supposed to be honoring God more than anyone else. But the nation of Israel had been straying away from the Lord, much like America. Now, I don't think you can completely compare America and Babylon, right? Babylon was extremely against God. They didn't even serve him at all. They served false gods, all kinds of things, awful stuff. America has some similarities. It's a little bit difficult to compare them. But, but God gives uh, the, the, uh, the Jewish people into the hands of the Babylonians, and King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon comes in, destroys Jerusalem, just levels it, right? Ransacks the place and then brings all the gold, takes all the loot back to Babylon. And that's where we find Daniel and his three buddies, right? Daniel and his three buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were taken into captivity. And you might be like, hold on a second. I thought in the book of Daniel, that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hold on a second. We're getting there. Okay, people, calm down. Once the people had been taken to Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar gave this order. That's where we'll pick up Daniel 1, 3 through 4. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So Daniel and his three buddies were four of these young men that were chosen. And they would have been teenagers at the time, like I said, anywhere from 14 to 17 years old. And, and so what do we learn about Daniel here? We're kind of just setting up this whole series. Like we're getting a little background on who Daniel is and, and what's going on here. We learn that he's either a part of the royal family or he's some kind of nobility, right? He's, he's high up in status. He's not some lowly guy, okay? So he, he has good training. He's probably been brought up well. He dresses nice, okay? He's smart. He's handsome. He is strong. Daniel was a catch, people, okay? That's what I'm trying to say here. He was a swipe right. He is a double tap on Instagram. He is a TikTok influencer, okay? This is who Daniel is. He's the straight A guy that also was the star of the football team. I mean, Daniel is a stud muffin, all right? Capital S. But once they get into Babylon, the chief Babylonian official 
gives them new names. In Daniel 1.7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And you're like, ah, there it is. Okay, now I get it. I, you've seen VeggieTales, all right? So now you know who I'm talking about. We're on the same page now, people. Okay. They were given new names. And then the Bible says that they were to be trained for the king's service, taught the language, the culture of the Chaldean people, which is the Babylonians, and they were given the king's food. And oddly enough, that's where Daniel says, time out, uh-uh, can't do that. Time out, nope, can't eat the king's food. You see that in the next verse right there, Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now, why did he do this? You don't see Daniel putting up a fight necessarily when the king comes in and ransacks his city. I mean, maybe he did, but it's not mentioned in scripture at least. You don't see him putting up some huge fight when he changes his name from Daniel, which is a God-honoring name, to Belshazzar, which is an idol-honoring name in their culture. You don't see him putting up a fight there, but then it finally comes to this point when he says, well, now you have to eat the king's food. It's like, what about all the language and the literature and you're in this culture learning all these other things? You don't ever hear him saying no to all this stuff, but then it's like, no, no, here's the king's food. He said, no, can't do it. And why is that? He said he resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. The king's food and wine, it would have been the best in the land. Right? I mean, we're talking about this is the king here. He's not eating no KFC. All right. He's not eating some Taco Bell. All right. You know, there's a time and place, you know, what I'm talking about. So <laughs> careful now. Careful now. People, what is that joke? People talking about gas prices being so high. It's like Taco Bell's got it for three. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just. I'm almost a father of two children now, so I feel like the more children you have, the more dad jokes you can make, right? I mean, just, you're able to do that. This isn't Taco Bell. Y'all, we're talking about Ruth's Chris steak. We're talking about the good good, all right? We're talking about Salt Lake barbecue. You know, we're talking about whatever it is that is your favorite place to eat, high-end, you know, four little dollar signs on the Google Maps reviews. You know, we're talking, this is the, this is the best. But here's the problem. He turns it away. Why would he do that? Because the food in that culture, especially at the king's table, would have been offered up to idols first. It would have been offered up to these false gods. And Daniel knew that if he accepted this food, it would violate God's laws, where God actually gives as a part of the law of Moses, he said, do not eat food that is sacrificed to idols. And so Daniel doesn't necessarily, we don't know, but we don't see that he stands up for himself at any of these other moments. He doesn't stand up and say, no, you're not giving me this name. You're not taking this city. You're not doing this. You're not doing that, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't stand up for any of that stuff. But the moment that the king and the king's officials try to get him to dishonor God, that's when Daniel says, no, 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 that's enough. You can dishonor me. You can change my name all you want, but you will not defile the name of my God, amen? And that's when Daniel stands up to them. And so he asks, hey, can I eat a vegetarian diet? Come on, how many vegetarians we got in the house today? Come on, anybody, just don't, don't be nervous. I know we got Lauren over here. She, she just said, mm, like this, we got a couple, all right? This passage is for you, okay? Can we eat a vegetarian diet? And they obliged. They said, all right, go ahead. 
In fact, Daniel said, just give us water and veggies and I bet you anything we'll be in better shape physically, mentally, emotionally. We will be in better shape than everyone else that eats all the king's food. And after the 10 day trial period that they have, it says that they were found healthier than all of the others. He was on the Tom Brady diet. Come on now, I don't know if you knew that. Tom Brady, look it up, look it up. Anyway, after three and a half years, Daniel 1, 19 through 20 says, the king found them to be 10 times better in wisdom and understanding than any of the other servants in the kingdom. Now, vegetarians out here, don't go saying that now we all just need to, okay, don't, you know what I'm saying? We're 10 times better than you meat eaters, okay? But listen, they were 10 times better. Daniel said, no, no, we don't need the king's food. We'll make do with what we have, right? So I want you now to, we did a little history lesson. Now we kind of understand who Daniel is, the, what we're going through right now in this moment. They're in exile. You're getting trained for this. You know, he's noble. He's smart. He's intelligent, but he doesn't want to defile himself and dishonor God. And so now I want you to put yourself in his shoes for just a second, if you can. Imagine for a second, you're 15 years old. Now, I know we have a few students up front. This might be a little bit easier for y'all. Some of y'all are a little farther removed. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I just turned 30 this week, so it's double. All right. So you're 15 years old. You just started high school. You're a Christian. You go to church every Sunday. You're honoring God with your, with your life, with your purity, all this stuff. And you're doing well in school, sports, relationships. You have friends, all these different things. And then all of a sudden, a foreign nation invades, takes you captive, destroys your city, your hometown, brings you back to a different nation where you don't know the language, where they do not honor God, and they expect you to learn their language, read their books, eat their food, abide by their practices, and serve their king. And this is exactly what just happened to Daniel and his friends. Now, do you understand it a little bit better now, okay? We're not in Kansas anymore, right? This is not Kansas Toto. We are in a different place. This is not the place where we can honor God and do whatever it is that we want to do. Whatever we were doing before, that's not what we're doing anymore. And so here's the problem. This is the question that I think we're going to be answering throughout this whole series and also this message in particular. It's how can I honor God and be faithful to him in such a place? How can I do that? How can I serve God while living in Babylon? That is the question for you and for me. How can you serve God in your own Babylon? Whatever that looks like for you, whether it's work, culture, in America, whatever it is, we all have a little bit of Babylon that we have to wade through and that we have to live through. It might not be as extreme as Daniel's situation, but I want you to apply it to yourself today as we look to the text and see how Daniel went through it in his way. How can I serve God at my workplace? With people that are clearly not interested in God, maybe they're tempting you to do things that would dishonor God. They're people that, that just do not love God and they're far from him. And, and how can I honor God at my workplace? How can I honor God and serve God online in, in, in that cesspool of a place now? You know what I'm talking about? In an instant, you could be connected to awful sites that are not gonna help you honor God or you can be uh, tempted to engage in conversations online, comments, different things like that that are not going to honor God. You're going to be dishonoring other people on social media. How can I serve God in an American culture that's increasingly going farther away from God? How are we able to do that? How can I serve God in my Babylon? You follow me today? You ready to get a couple of points for that? Number one is pre-decide. If you're taking notes, write this down, pre-decide. And now, 
I'd like to say I came up with this, but really the book of Daniel comes up with this. But, but there's a series that just came out not too long ago uh, by a great pastor named Craig Rochelle from Life Church. And he uh, labeled this as Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he said, you know what Daniel did? He pre-decided not to defile himself. He made the choice to honor God before the option to dishonor him was even presented. And sometimes I think that we need to do that within ourselves, right? We have to make decisions beforehand so that we're not in the moment emotionally trying to make a decision that's going to affect the trajectory of our life. You need to know what your values are beforehand. Know what you value beforehand so that when you get into the moment of decision, you've already made the decision beforehand. Does that make sense? So when faced with this situation, I have predecided to take this action, Right? When I'm faced with a temptation to make an impulse purchase, right? When you're at, when you're at Walmart or Target, you know, H-E-B, when you're shopping on Amazon, you know, it's just so easy on Amazon. You just click one button. It's a buy now and you just have it, right? It shows up at your doorstep. You got Prime, right? So you get there in one day. We could have this right now, right? We could get that little noodle thing that makes the noodles for you, right? It just like does it. You don't even have to do it by hand anymore, babe. You can just get it, you know? It's like 300 bucks, you know? It's like, no, no, no. I'm going to wait three days to make that decision. I'm not gonna go into a car dealership and let the guy talk me you know, into buying a car. I'm gonna wait three days before I make any kind of impulse decision. It, it, when I'm faced with that decision, I'm going to go ahead and take this action of waiting three days because I know myself, right? That's what pre-deciding means. If a woman hits on me, right? Maybe this happened to some of you before. Maybe a man's trying to hit on you and you're married, right? You know what you're going to pre-decide to do? I'm going to pre-decide to talk about how amazing my wife is, right? I'm going to talk about how good looking she is. Like, you know what? Oh, man, thank you. I, look, I look really good. Thank you. you know what looks even better is my wife, man. Lindsay, she is so attractive. Isn't that awesome? That'll shut it down real quick, right? I've pre-decided. When my kids are not following my directions, they know the consequences. Why? Because we have pre-decided them together, right? We have talked about the consequences. They know the consequences. And when they do the action, it's an if-then. If you do this, then this is going to happen. We have pre-decided this as a family. And when I'm tempted to go to that KFC, right, that we were talking about earlier, I have pre-decided that I will only eat of the Lord's chicken, and that is at Chick-fil-A. I will not dishonor him in that way. I won't do it. And when I'm struggling with anxiety, when I'm struggling with worry, when I'm struggling with doubts, I'll predecide to take those things to God first. Because when you take things to God first, man, it's gonna be a whole lot better than if you take it to anybody else, you take it to yourself, you take it to culture. Listen, take it to God first. Predecide to honor God in your life. When your values are clear, the decisions become easier. I value my relationship with God. So I have decided pre-decided to honor him in every situation. The thing is, is when you go to work, you might be entering Babylon. You might be in Jerusalem at home, a place that honors God. You anoint the doors, right? You know what I mean? Like you're praying over your house and all this stuff. You can do all that, but you know, when you log on to that Zoom meeting or when you go back into the office, if you're back in the office nowadays and you go in there and you know that you're entering into a place that feels like Babylon. When you go to school, when you're at Texas State, that is Babylon. Let me tell you right now, you all know it. That's Babylon. When you go to work, you might be entering Babylon, but Babylon does not have to enter into you. It doesn't. 
In fact, God may have placed you there so that you could be a light to that Babylon. Have you ever considered that before? John 17, it says this. You don't have to turn there. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Hold on one second. This is Jesus praying to the Father for his disciples. My prayer, Father, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Jesus is praying for his disciples, saying, God, don't rip them out of the world. They have a mission here to do, and I know that, but keep them safe while they're here. Protect them from the evil and protect them from the temptations of this world. And a few verses later, he says, I have sent them just as you have sent me. So not only is he praying for their protection, not only is he saying, God, would you help them to, to be safe from the evil one, but he's actually sending them out into the lost and broken world on mission. He is sending them into their Babylon. But here's the deal. As Jesus sends them into their Babylon, as Jesus sends them into that lost and broken world, he has no desire for them to be influenced by it, but he has every intention for them to influence the world around them. So that's the second point today. If you'd like to write this down, number two is influence culture. How can I serve God in my Babylon? How can I serve God in America today? Influence culture. God sends Daniel into Babylon. But instead of culture influencing him, he influences the culture around him. The Bible says he distinguished himself as someone who was trustworthy, somebody who was faithful, and then he was found faithful in every single season too, which that's what I think is really interesting. One thing that you might not have known about the book of Daniel or about Daniel himself is that it's one of the only books of the Bible, one of the only people in the Bible that never records a mistake that he ever made. It never records a sin. It never says that he messed up. It never says that he had a David kind of moment or a Moses moment or anything like that. It never says that he messed up. He was found faithful, trustworthy, and even the people around him said, we can't find any fault against him when they're trying to throw him into the lions. And they're like, man, we can't find anything against this guy. So they had to actually trick the king later. We'll get into that in week three, right? Um, but he was faithful through three kings that we know of too. There might've been one or two more, but he was faithful in every single king. Nebuchadnezzar, who actually destroyed his hometown and took him into captivity, said that he was faithful, that he was honorable, that he was trustworthy, that he was smart, and he took him into a high position of authority. And now Daniel has the ability to influence the culture around him. Amen? You understand? Then the next king that comes along does the same thing. And then actually the next king is a king from a different place that conquers Babylon. And so now Daniel ha should have no authority, right? Because this is an outside force that now has come in and destroyed the other outside force. And you would think that Daniel would have no authority at all. No, no, he ends up becoming high in authority with that king as well. He finds favor every single place that he goes because he distinguished himself as trustworthy and faithful. None of these men served God, but Daniel did. You might be saying, I'm surrounded by people at work or in my life that, that, you know, that cuss, they talk about dirty things, you know, like they're not very nice, they're drinking, smoking, partying, you know, they're not like great people by the standards of Christianity. And you might be saying, well, I gotta get out of here, okay? I can't have a relationship with these people anymore. I can't be working at this job or anything like that. You know what, Daniel didn't do any of that. He didn't isolate himself from culture, he influenced it. And so many of us Christians, we get afraid to be around people that don't think like us that don't look like us. Don't isolate yourself from those people. You can be the influence in that, in that position that you're in right now. Instead of planning your escape, could you be the Daniel for your office? Yeah. 
Instead of trying to get out and not and cut off that relationship with that family member, could you be the Daniel to your family? Could you be the Daniel of your neighborhood? You can influence the culture of your workplace. You have the authority to influence the culture of your family and your friend group and every place that you go. Listen, this is exactly what Jesus did. It said in the Bible, in the New Testament you read, it says that Jesus was a friend of who? Sinners. He was a friend of the drunkards. He was a friend of the prostitutes. He would hang out with the tax collectors who were the lowest of the low people. Hated those guys. And yet, who do we find Jesus having dinner with? All those people. Did Jesus ever become influenced by those people though? Never. What did Jesus do? Anytime Jesus walked into a dinner party, the atmosphere of that room immediately shifted. Are you that person that when you walk into an office, the atmosphere of that office shifts because of the power and authority of Jesus Christ that you carry in your life? I would hope that you are. Jesus says that you're the light of the world. In Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, let your light shine. We go ahead and get someone up here to play some keys or guitar or something like that. Holy Spirit moves better that way, right? That's a whole nother conversation, guys. <laughs> I got jokes this morning. I'm not feeling good. I'm just going to go at it today, so... Listen, light beats darkness every time, every single time. Jesus says to shine your light. You're walking into a workplace or to a family situation or to a friend group that might be sinful, that might be dark, that might be far away from God. But if you have the light of Jesus within you, light overpowers darkness every single time. If you're in a dark room and you have a small candle and you bring that candle into that room, Everywhere in that room, you can see that candle. You might say, well, my, my, my light isn't that bright right now. I might not have the brightest of lights. I'm new to faith or I'm new in this or, or, or I'm struggling with my own things, you know. But, but listen, do you have any light at all? Bring your little tiny spark into that room and see what God does with it. Be faithful in the place that God has placed you. Stop trying to remove yourself from it. And I understand there might be some wisdom to that. Okay, if you're in a completely toxic environment, toxic relationship, I'm not saying you have to stay in order to save that person. Okay, that's not what I don't hear. Don't read into what I'm saying too far. Okay, there is wisdom that you have to have in this. But understand that God might be calling you to influence that person, influence that culture around you. You don't have to be influenced by them. Jesus wasn't, the disciples weren't. Okay, we see lots of different examples of these, right? Moses, right? He was high in authority in Egypt. Joseph, high in authority in Egypt as well. Daniel, high in authority. Esther ended up being not by her choosing, high in authority. She had an opportunity to change the king's mind about something that he had been dead set on. And actually after Daniel passes away, this is when Esther comes on the scene and Esther is the one that changes the king's mind to let all of the Jews go back to Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? And it was after Daniel, a completely different king once again, but yet they found favor with these people because they were faithful in the position they found themselves in. So be the best employee, right? 
This is what I really come here to say today. Be the best employee when you go to work. When there's people around you that aren't serving God, man, be the nicest person around. Encourage people. You're gonna be the one that's gonna encourage people instead of tearing people down. When others are talking trash about each other, you're gonna say, no, no, no. Like, no, I really like this about them. Like they, they do great at this, right? You're not gonna be that person. You're gonna bring the light to that situation. You're gonna be the family member that calls when something's going wrong, even though you barely have a relationship with them and they're far from God. You know, you're gonna call them and say, hey, I'm here for you. Can I pray for you? How can I help? You're gonna be the one that brings the family together. That's who you're gonna be. You're gonna be the one that calls a friend when they're going through a hard time. The friend that doesn't compromise on your values when there's people around you that are trying to get you to do something that you know you shouldn't be doing and they're trying to tempt you, influence, influence you in one way. You're gonna say, hey guys, I think we shouldn't be doing this. I think we're gonna go a different direction. Young people, that's for you. You're the student that turns in homework on time. Come on now, like you're the person, you will be excellent in all things. And when you are excellent, when you are faithful, when you are found trustworthy, that is how you will gain influence with those around you and you will be able to affect change in the circle that God has given you. Getting favor with man is not a bad thing, right? In fact, it's a thing that you should pray for. Comes with a lot of stuff, comes with a lot of difficulty, but God, I would pray that we have some Christians in politics, amen, that are ready to change stuff, that are ready to shake up some stuff and, and to try to help to, 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 to put God's standards forth. Now, I understand it's not always going to happen. But listen, man, I would hope that if you find yourself in a position like that, if that's the position you find yourself in, honor God in it. If you don't, that's fine. If you're a small business owner, honor God in it. If you're a student, honor God in it. If you're just a family man or a stay-at-home mom and you feel like you don't have, you're like, ah, I just, all I do is stay at home with the kids. No, 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 honor God in it. You know why? Oh man, I'm about to go off right now. Okay, let me tell you. This is why. Daniel was 14 when he was taken into captivity. You know why he was able to remain faithful to God? Because of the children's ministry of Jerusalem. Think about it. The youth ministry and the kids ministry of Jerusalem is what made Daniel able to stay resolved not to defile himself. What 15 year old kid would say no to something like that when he's in a different land? It's because he had a foundation. So moms, dads, if you're staying at home with your kids, man, pour into your kids. If you think that what's happening over there right now is not valuable or is not worthy or whatever it is, listen, I'm telling you, that's one of the most important things we do at this church is minister to those children. So our altar call is, is if you're not serving the kids, get over there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm serious though. Pour into the lives of your own kids. And if you don't have kids, pour into their lives because they could be the next Daniel at your workplace. They could be the next Daniel in this community. And if we don't pour into those kids, who will? They'll just eat the king's food, just like everybody else did. They'll bow down to the idols, just like everybody else did. We won't even have the story of getting thrown into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because no one would have needed it because everybody would have just bowed down and that would have been it, right? No, no, no. We need some people that will stand up for God, that will honor God in Babylon, in America, today, right here, right now, in Kyle, Texas, in our community, in your family, and in your workplace. And that is how we affect change. And that's how we influence the culture around us. That is how you live in Babylon. Number three is everybody stands up today. You got to know your home. Know your home. Nebuchadnezzar changed Daniel's name to a Babylonian name. So his name technically was different. People called him something different, 
but it didn't change who he was. He was in exile living in Babylon, but he knew that wasn't his eternal home. He knew that he was a citizen of heaven. That verse hadn't even been written yet, right? But he knew he was a citizen of heaven. He knew that he was God's child. In the Bible, it talks about that. It says that we are citizens of heaven, that this place that we live here right now, these bodies we have, everything that we do here, this is not our home. In fact, Jesus even said it in that last verse, right? They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. They're not of this world and you aren't either. We have an eternity ahead of us. So you have to know your home, know who you are. Daniel remained faithful to God and he prayed every single day. Even when the chief priests and, the, and even when the chief officials, excuse me, came and tried to stop him, and they actually tried to trick him and that's how they tried to get him thrown into the lion's den and they were successful at it. We'll talk about that later, but, but they tried to get him to stop praying and Daniel said, you know what? Even if I get thrown into the lion's den, I'm not gonna dishonor God. I'm gonna continue to pray anyway. It doesn't matter because I know who I am. If I die, if I, if I die, I die. And we'll talk about that too. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Next week, we're talking about in, another in the fire is the title of the message, but there's a song that goes with it called Another in the Fire. It's a powerful song. And there's a little story that goes along with it about who wrote it and everything. It's amazing. I encourage you, please come back next week. It'll, it'll change your life when you hear this story. And I say, even if he doesn't save us, it doesn't matter. Like throw us in the fire. Like we don't care. Like we believe that God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're fine, you know, because we know where we're going. That's a confidence that I hope that every single one of us could have in our faith and confidence that we could have in God, knowing that, you know what, he can save us. God is able to do amazing things, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm gonna stop serving him. It doesn't mean I'm gonna stop believing. If I don't hear God, if I don't feel goosebumps when I walk into worship, it doesn't mean I'm not gonna still worship, right? Man, can you tell I'm excited about this series? Oh, come on, man, this is gonna be good stuff the next four weeks. But for right now, you might be living in Babylon in your workplace, in your school, in your family, whatever it is. And I, I hope by now that the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you as to a Babylon that you could say is in your life. I think everybody has that. Could even just be one relationship, like one person. But I wanna encourage you today, will you be faithful even in Babylon? Will you be faithful in this American culture that's becoming more hostile to God? Will you be honored Will you be honorable? Will you be trustworthy? Will you be found faithful at the end of your life? No matter what season you go through. And I just wanna ask you this question, and I'm not gonna ask for heads bowed and eyes closed or anything like that, but do you wanna be a light in your workplace? If that's you and you feel like that this message is relating to you and your job and your workplace, and you might've thought, man, I need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere else. But maybe now you're feeling like, Lord, have you, are you calling me to this place? Are you calling me to affect change here and where I'm placed right now? If that's you, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. Okay, cool. I see some of y'all. Yeah, yeah. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay. Do you, do you simply just feel like you're being influenced by others? There might be some other people here. You say, hey, I'm being influenced by others. I'm being influenced by the culture around me. And I know that. And I wanna stop being influenced by the culture and I wanna be the influencer now. Not for fame, not TikTok influencer. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? I wanna be the influencer in, in the way that takes ground for the kingdom of God. 
I want to be an influencer that helps people to find and follow Jesus and that I'm not going to be swayed by the people around me. I'm not just going to be the one that follows, but I'm going to be a leader. And if that's you and you're feeling that in that place today, that that's what you feel like this message is to speak it to you or the Holy Spirit speaking to you, would you just raise your hand if that's you? You don't want to be influenced by people anymore. You want to be an influencer in your community and your workplace, whatever it might be. Yeah, come on, I see you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I just want to ask that, that every single person here today would just be reminded, even at the least, that no matter where you find yourself in, that you can be faithful in that season. Man, that God has given you every single tool to succeed. And when, when you're down, that somebody else will be there to lift you up. Man, I pray that you would get connected into the body of Christ, connected into this church. If not this church, another church, but find a place where you can get connected. We can lift each other up. When somebody's feeling down and they're feeling like, you know what, I'm gonna stop praying because I'm about to go, you know, and they're gonna throw me in the lion's den. You know, I wonder if Daniel had some friends that said, Daniel, no, come on, we're gonna keep praying. I'm gonna be right here with you. Let's go, let's go. And I wonder if Daniel was that guy in that time for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Was he that guy? And they lift each other up, man, get connected because you need need each other. We need each other to do this thing. And this culture that we live in right now, it wasn't just Daniel by himself. Man, he had Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and you better believe that there were some others too that were staying faithful to God. So let's do that today. I'm going to pray for you and ask that God would bless you in your workplace and your family everywhere. Bow your heads with me. Father, I ask right now that by your spirit, that you would help us to remain faithful in our Babylon's. Whatever that is for each of us, God, no matter if it's a place that just seems absolutely desolate, a workplace where there's just sin everywhere and, and people are just so far away from you and they're not serving you and it seems like we need to get out, but God, maybe you've placed us there. Maybe you've placed each and every one of us there for a reason and for a season. God, would you help us to identify those things, to hear your voice, to be an encouragement to those around us, to not be influenced by the people around us that want to take us off the path of righteousness. I want to take us off the path that leads to you. But God, that we would actually follow even stronger on the path towards you, so much so that there'd be a wake behind us that people would get caught up into the wake and they would follow right along with us because they have no other choice but to bow before you. God, would you help us to be an influence in our culture? God, if there's politicians right now in this place, if there's teachers in this place, if there's parents in this place, God, would you help us to lift up the next generation right now? Father, we ask for our kids that are over there in the name of Jesus, that they would be Daniels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's and their schools in the name of Jesus. We declare that over them right now. Father, I thank you for what's happening over there, that we know that you are raising up leaders in the next generation. And God, would you use our children? Would you use our generation, these people that are here right in Radical Church to make a difference in Kyle, Buda, San Marcos, Hayes County, and all over the world. Would you use us to make a difference? Why? Because we are faithful. We will be trustworthy. We will be found honorable, God. We will be excellent in all things. And God, would you give us favor with man so that people can see you through us? It's not because of anything that we've done, but it's because of your grace. It's because of your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for us that we even have this power, that we even have this authority. Right now, I just want to ask if there's anybody in this place today, maybe you, maybe you're coming here today and you're like, you know, I just need to get right with God, okay? I, I, I haven't been living faithful. I've been the one that's been influencing people in the wrong ways. I've been the one 
that maybe has been straying away, or maybe you're just somebody that says, you know, I was serving God when everything was easy, right? But, but when my friends got around and it was difficult, I stopped serving God. And now I'm, I'm one of those ones that's bowing to the idols, right? I'm one of those ones that, that strayed away. And maybe you just need to rededicate your life to God here today. Is there anybody today that would say that's you? Would you just raise your hand and look up at me real quick and you can put it right back down. I see you, I see you. Is there anybody else today? I see you. Come on, I see you right there. Is there anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Come on, I see you right here. I see you right, is there anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just say, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. Say, I believe that he died on the cross for me. I see you, man, I see you. I see you, brother. Is there anybody else? I just wanna give you a second to make that decision. You don't have to raise your hand, but I just wanna know, I just wanna see you. All right. Well, there's about six or seven people that raise their hand right now. So what I want us to do as an act of solidarity, let's pray along with these people as they're giving their lives to Jesus. And, and we're just gonna say this in our hearts as a rededication, even for ourselves saying, God, we're serving you. And then we're gonna go absolutely nuts when this prayer is over. Okay, here we go. Father, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me, for having a plan for my life. I haven't always lived for you, but today, I live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give a big shout? All of heaven rejoices with us today. If that's you, come on. I see you. Wow, come on. Man, God is good, amen? Man, I need to be sick more often. I feel like I preach better, goodness gracious. Anyway. My wife will probably make fun of me because normally when I make, I'm not, okay, I'm just going to kind of like completely ruin the mood here. When I make jokes normally, I always laugh with them and I always get mad at myself because I'm like, that's not, you're not supposed to laugh when you make your own joke. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I'm having fun up here. And so I haven't really felt well today. So anytime I made a joke, I wasn't laughing. Not because I didn't think it was funny, but just because I don't have enough energy for that. So, <laughs> so babe, I love you. Thank you for that encouragement. <laughs> Hey, I love you guys so much. Thank y'all so much for being here today. Please connect with us at the back. Uh, I will not be here to talk, unfortunately. I don't wanna get anybody sick, so I'm gonna be skirting out of here. But just know I love you, I appreciate you, and would you please invite somebody back next week that needs to be here? Uh, if there's somebody that you know is going through a fire in their life, if they're going through some stuff, they need to know that God's right there in the fire with them, amen? So bring somebody next week. God bless you.